trains, trains, and more trains. Is South Florida ready to get more of them? Welcome to the South Florida Roundup on WLRN. I'm Danny Rivero. We're taking the whole hour this Friday to talk about public transportation in South Florida. A lot of major things have been happening these last few weeks. First up, are tri-rail trains really about to start coming into downtown Miami? A major agreement was signed just this week to make that a reality, and what would be a huge step forward for regional transit for all of South Florida. Also, the Miami-Dade Commission has voted to fast-track a train to the Hard Rock Stadium. And will the Metro Mover soon expand to Miami Beach? And finally, Broward County voters passed a penny tax for transit in 2018. We look at what's being done with all that money. All that and more on the South Florida Roundup on WLRN. But first, the news. I'm Danny Rivero, and welcome to the South Florida Roundup on WLRN. Commuting between Miami and Broward and Palm Beach counties might get a lot better, with the tri-rail possibly making its way to downtown Miami in the near future. The South Florida Regional Transportation Authority received a signed agreement with Florida East Coast Railway and Brightline this week. And this agreement opens the door for tri-rail staff to start training and testing for bringing tri-rail trains into downtown Miami once and for all. The agreement's a huge step forward in the ongoing negotiations to make the promised train service a reality. When it's said and done, someone will be able to hop on the tri-rail train in Riviera Beach in North Palm Beach County and come right into downtown Miami with no transfers. And we want to hear from you for this segment. Do you use public transit in South Florida? If so, which system? And if not, what needs to change for you to use it? You can call us at 800-743-WLRN. That's 800-743-9576. And you can also tweet us at WLRN. Joining us now to talk about this is Raquel Regalado. She's a Miami-Dade County Commissioner, and she's also the Miami-Dade County Representative on the board for the Transit Authority that operates TriRail. Commissioner Regalado, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure, and thank you for talking about TriRail. I'm actually their chair. Uh, for this year, there's a rotation and it turned to Miami-Dade. So I was elected uh, by my peers to be the chair of TriRail. Um, and that actually started about a month and a half ago. Oh, beautiful. Well, we're glad to have the chair on. Um, <laughs> so speaking of that, um, you know, like I mentioned, the, just this week, the South Florida Regional Transportation Authority finally reached this, this agreement with Brightline and Florida East Coast Railroad to start the training and testing to bring the tri-rail service into downtown Miami. We, we've been talking about this for so long, <laughs> but it finally got done now, I guess. Yeah, so it has it has a lot of moving parts. Um, and, and first things first, um, I gotta mention, we have a new executive director, uh, David Deck, who's a railroad guy, who really has been working on the relationships, you know, where Tri-Rail had the breakdown, I think, under the prior executive director was, we just didn't have the relationships. And, you know, the coming into the station had a lot of moving pieces. So the board, one of the first things that we tackled was the issue with the step and the facts that the train didn't fit in the station uh, we've actually fixed that and then we had to move to the software the atms uh software we finally fixed that and then this piece was so important it had taken so long they kept telling us that brightline didn't want to meet that fpc didn't want to meet that we couldn't get a meeting and i want to thank our partners at brightline They've been wonderful. And what this agreement does is, you know, 
uh, Brightline gets trained by FPC and then we're getting the training from Brightline. So it allows us to move this a lot faster. We would have waited another eight to nine to 12 months if we wanted to do this training directly. So we're very grateful that Brightline has partnered with us in this so that we can get this moving and really start to check off all these boxes and all these different things that we need to do in order to get to Miami Central and to also radically change the way that our stations you know work this new board at my first yeah at my first meeting uh, we could talk about that too we actually approved bicycles and scooters for every station in Miami-Dade County and we're doing two pilots for, in the, tri for the tri rail trains Palm Beach. Yes. So this is all the tri-rail stations are now going to have bicycles and scooters. And we're really focusing on first and last mile. And at our last TPO meeting, and, and we're just, partnering just, with them to do smart starts. And just to clarify that, will that be bicycles and scooters that people can rent on the spot? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to yes. make, make sure of that. Yes, because TriRail really didn't have a first and last mile plan. And one of the things that we wanted was to provide that at every single location. We have two pilots that they've been working on for several years that utilize taxi and Uber. Uh, and I've been pushing for bicycles uh, for the year and a half that I've been there. And the board has supported that. We also finally approved the overhaul of all of our cabooses. Uh, so we're really moving forward. And we reached an agreement with FDOT that we're finalizing so that we can have concessions in the TriRail rail stations which is another big issue that we had we have first and last mile and no concessions so people right. feel that you know they've entered a desert right no I've, I've been to some stations in central broward for instance and you walk in it's kind of not a lot going on there there's almost it's nothing like there. something out of the road <laughs> yeah have there's there's like movie? a kiosk yeah there's like a kiosk <laughs> where you can buy the buy the train so um so interesting um has the training and the testing of these tri-rail trains already started at the Miami Central Station in downtown Miami right now? Or are we still waiting on that training to start? No. So now that we signed the agreement, we're starting the training. You know, obviously we have the holidays and we're trying to figure out the employment piece. Like every employer uh, in South Florida, we have been having some employment issues. So we are finalizing the amount of dispatchers and all that. Uh, but the training, we've, we already established what we're going to do with Brightline. We have schedules, uh, and that's moving forward. And we also have the software, which was the other thing that we couldn't really have a conversation about the training until we have the software. So now we have the software, and we're ready to go. The one thing that we're waiting on is finalizing the, the step design. That's almost done. Uh, but that'll allow us to finally get all of our cabooses uh, in this particular station and not just some of them. And the you made brief mention of it, but last year, last December, we got news that the actual station that was built in downtown Miami, the Miami Central, had issues because it was built to the wrong proportions and that the tri-rail yeah. trains couldn't fit into the station. You mentioned that those problems have been addressed. Um, how, you know, it was a pretty facepalm situation last year, I think, yes. when, when we heard that. Um, how was how was that addressed? I mean, did they redevelop those the, those platforms? Well, what, what happened is there there were several mistakes that were made, you know, um, on the tri-rail side with providing information and also, you know, um, Brightline. They, they did what we asked them to do. So there was a lot of finger pointing uh, that really led to us getting a new executive director. Uh, but at the end of the day, they did have to redo part of the track. 
Uh, and then we had to modify our steps so that we can um, safely clear, you know, the area and there wouldn't be a gap between the platform and the trains. So they've already um, changed the track. They had to demo some parts of it and, and redo it. Uh, and that's already been done. And now we're just waiting on the finalizing of those steps to make sure that there isn't a gap and that every every aspect of this ride when it gets into Miami Central is ADA compliant, which is not true in our other stations. So for us, it's a big deal. And I, I want to go to the phones really quick. We have a caller calling from, from Miami. Ian, thanks for calling. You're on the line. Hi, I have a question for the commissioner. I take trial kind of infrequently i mostly just take it whenever i want to go to inner miami games um but every time i take it i feel like you know stations as, as danny said are in the middle of nowhere um i know that the northeast corridor got money from the federal government for tod planning is there any kind of you know chasing dollars or just change chasing zoning changes to uh you know change land use around the station that's all thank you well, Thanks, right now, yeah, right now, um, we are looking at working with Brightline on the Northeast Corridor. So TriRail is uh, participating in those conversations. In terms of the existing stations, what we're working on is bicycles and scooters, fixing the pedestrian bridges, uh, refurbishing the existing stations. We are developing um, apartments in some of the stations that have enough land. And in the ones that don't, we're going to do concessions and wayfinding. So um, wayfinding is one of the biggest complaints that we get. And, and we feel that if we can have a first and last mile, uh, specifically for the station that you're talking about that goes um, to the soccer stadium, there really is very, very little around there. So we're actually working with them also to do event, um, you know, event busing uh, so that we can get folks when they have events from that station to the stadium in a timely fashion. And we have another caller calling in from Boca Raton. Uh, Joe, thanks for calling. You're on. Hey, this is uh, Joe from Boca Raton, and I must uh, give you guys uh, kudos and thumbs up for the ride from Yamada Road straight into the Miami International Airport. It could not be more convenient, easier, stress-free, uh, having traveled up and down I-95 at all hours of the day. It is an absolute pleasure, and for the uh, fare, it is unsurpassed, even for a, uh, a former resident of New York City and its excellent transit system. So thank you, Th thank you, Joe. Thank um, you, thank you. The Mick, the Mick is wonderful, and and really for everyone that's listening. I mean, I'm also on the airport committee at the county. Uh, you know, the best ways to get to the airport is using the Mick and TriRail, and then also the Orange Line out of Dadeland. I use it uh, every it time. Really it's amazing. I mean, it's also in my district, so, you know, uh, I have a preference, but uh, it really is amazing. Once you use the Orange Line, you'll never park or take an Uber to the airport again. The MIC is the same way if you're coming from Broward or Palm Beach. And, uh, Com Commissioner, just following up on, on Joe's call, because the tri-rail as it currently runs, it goes from Palm Beach through Broward, and then when it comes into Miami-Dade, it goes into Hialeah and then down to MIA. But once the station in downtown Miami opens, and we'll talk about timelines in a second, will that yes. will that impact in any kind of way the current train that does run into MIA? 
No, it just provides another stop for folks. It doesn't, it won't slow anything down. It'll just provide us with more options. Right now, everyone gets off at MIA because that's like the last stop. Um, so, you know, there are some people that would like to go all the way to downtown and there are some people in downtown that would like to go to MIA using the train. So um, it's actually going to enhance uh, the service. And we've gotten such great reviews uh, for the make. We're hoping the same will be true for Miami Central when it's done. I'm Danny Rivero. You're listening to the South Florida Roundup on WLRN. And we're talking about a major step forward for tri-rail trains coming into downtown Miami. And we're talking with Miami-Dade Commissioner Raquel Regalado. You can call us at 800-743-WLRN. That's 800-743-9576. Commissioner, uh, you know, can we talk about timelines for a second? Because when this was originally proposed, the original start date for tri-rail service into downtown Miami was 2017, which obviously didn't happen. It's been pushed back and back. Um, Do we have at this moment a realistic timeline for when this could actually start operating? Well, I mean, ironically, you know, this agreement was negotiated by my father when he was the city of Miami mayor, right? So that gives you some perspective on how long (laughs) this was floating around for a long time. And it just so happens that when I became a county commissioner, um, I was appointed to Tri-Rail and now I have a leadership position there. Um, One of the issues that we had a year ago that led to these, um, you know, to a new executive director was that the timelines just didn't match up. You know, even to the last moment, our last executive director told the press, you know, November will we'll be in Miami Central. And we just hadn't gotten everything done. We didn't have the software. We didn't have the training. Um, so right now we're waiting on this last piece uh, with the modification of the step and the hours of the training how fast we can do the training given the availability of our employees and the availability of Brightline. So I don't have a date for you now, but I promise you that it is, it will be soon and we're doing everything that we can. I want to thank our board created a subcommittee so that I can work on this when I wasn't the chair. Uh, And now that I am the chair, they actually gave me more authority to sign off on these contracts. So even the contract that we have that we're discussing now, this agreement, we were able to sign off on it without having to wait a month to have a meeting just so that we can do everything in our power uh, to move things forward. So our executive director has really been focused on this. This is our number one priority to get into uh, Miami Central. And we're really hoping to do it uh, next year, but I'll probably have a date for you in about a month and a half. Okay. Um, We got a comment on Twitter from Colleen Lockwood, who's asking a few things. Uh, One thing is, are the Brightline and Tri-Rail trains full now? I suppose asking about the the current ridership. Um, Do we know... I mean, I'm going to throw a couple things at you, right? Um, Do we have an idea what the expected ridership will be once that service does come into downtown Miami? And and how would that impact uh, traffic? Because these tri-rail trains are going to be running pretty frequently where they don't run right now. Right. So, so I'll start with the traffic piece. You know, um, we already have the, the stops. So traffic stops anyway, in those areas, we would just have a train and we are 
we have received some money from the federal government and we are working on different intersections for lots of different reasons, but we're making a huge investment along with Brightline at several intersections to make sure that they move more uh, efficiently and that we're not holding up traffic. So uh, that's the, the first one. It's not gonna impact traffic. It's actually gonna help in terms of alleviating congestion around these areas. Uh, the second one in terms of what we're expecting, we've surveyed downtown and a lot of people in downtown Miami want to take it and a lot of our riders would love to go all the way downtown they don't like having to go to the MIC and then taking some other mode of transportation to where they're going and then you know how's the ridership my my um focus over the last year and a half has been really trying to convince my colleagues that the first and last mile is a deal breaker. You can't expect someone to go to these stations and not have a way to get from there somewhere else uh, in a quick way. So uh, that's why the bicycles and the scooters are important. Uh, we're interested in other forms of modalities too. But it's really important for us to give people as many options and wayfinding. A lot of people don't didn't have the information on if you stop at a tri-rail station in Broward, how do you get a bus or how do you get a bike or how do you get a trolley? And the wayfinding uh, is a big part of that. Just, we also just basically connecting ticket. to other transit services. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and we also approved the one ticket ride, which was the other uh, big complaint, right? And now we're gonna be having wayfinding at all of our stations and a one ticket ride. So if you have a um, card from Miami-Dade or Broward or Palm Beach for their transit, you can use it at Tri-Rail. Um, you can use that balance there, and that way you can move, you know, through these systems as one system. Uh, and that's why we've been working with the TPO and trying to integrate TriRail into the smart plan. Even when I did the RTZ uh, with our vice chair Oliver Gilbert uh, at Miami, the, the, rap the rapid transit zone that was just passed. Right. We included TriRail, which had never been done before. The, uh, we've included them as part of our transit system, uh, and now it is also part of our smart plan. And we're working on different changes to the Hialeah station. So we're really trying to integrate TriRail. And I think when we integrate Tri-Rail into um, the transit systems of Miami-Dade, Broward, uh, and Palm Beach, then we'll see that riders can feel like, hey, this is actually going to more than just one place. Right. Because, um, because, how, it, because how it is now, if you're taking the Tri-Rail, you want to come to downtown Miami, you have to transfer at the Metro Rail transfer station in, uh, right, in, um, in, in Hialeah. Yeah, exactly. Or the airport, right. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and I was I was going to ask you to clarify what the what the MIC was that you that you were referring to. Um, so the so the MIC is a station inside the airport, right? So uh, that's the one where most people, if they want to come to Miami, they just take TriRail to that station, and then from there they'll Uber or they'll go somewhere else. Uh, but that has its own congestion issues, right? So that's why coming all the way down to Miami Central or having different options at the Hialeah station uh, is important for us. And we're working on providing those mobility options so that depending on where you're going in Miami-Dade County, you know, you can take Tri-Rail and go from there in a relatively, you know, easy way to your next location and then back We've been talking with Miami-Dade Commissioner Raquel Regalado, who's also the chair of the South Florida Regional Transportation Authority um, as of a couple of months ago. Um, Commissioner Regalado, thank you so much for coming on. 
My pleasure. And I hope everyone that's listening will give TriRail a chance. We're making a lot of changes. Uh, it really is an amazing system, and it's just a matter of bringing it into this century uh, <laughs> and making it more user-friendly, and, and we're working on that. And, and, and we're counting down. <laughs> um, <laughs> still to come on the South Florida Roundup, a planned monorail co connecting downtown Miami to Miami Beach has been scrapped. And instead, the plan is now to expand the Metro Mover across Biscayne Bay. You can call us at 800-743-WLRN. We'll be right back. I'm Danny Rivero. Welcome back to the South Florida Roundup on WLRN. Miami-Dade voters are going, to, are going to get part of the transit expansion that was promised a decade ago when they passed a half-penny tax. At least... That's what's been agreed to in theory. This week, the Miami-Dade County Commission voted to accelerate and extend the existing metro rail system along Northwest 27th Avenue um, up to the Hard Rock Stadium at Northwest 199th Street in Miami Gardens. In 2002, Miami-Dade voters approved the, the one-half-penny <laughs> the half penny, uh, local surtax to improve rapid transit within the county, and the plan that was put forth included an expansion of what's called the North Corridor up to the Broward County line. But that's been stuck in planning for years until perhaps this week's vote. And we want to hear from you in this segment. Will this expansion of the Metro Rail make your transportation easier? You can call us at 800-743-WLRN. That's 800-743-9576. And you can also tweet us at WLRN. Joining us now to talk about this is Miami-Dade Commissioner Oliver Gilbert III, who's been working on this since he was mayor of Miami Gardens. Commissioner Gilbert, thanks for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so at risk of repeating myself, we've been talking about this expanded Metro Rail service for a really long time, which I know you know because you were the mayor of Miami Gardens not too long ago, and this was heavily on your agenda. Um, what makes this week's vote different? Well, well, first, let me just say that we haven't been talking about this for 10 years. You said 10 years. Listen, it's not just <laughs> since I was mayor. We've been talking about this since I was in high school. This, this, is, this has been something that's been promised and talked about for a very long time, even before the half penny. And I think what makes this week's vote different is it's us actually trying to do something. Look, we know that uh, success favors people who are actually moving forward. And that's that's what the most progress. If you're actually moving forward, you get to take advantage of opportunities. That's what we're doing now. We're saying we talked about this long enough. We understand that congestion will only get worse if we don't do something. We understand the lines that divide us between Dade and Broward that come through Miami Gardens up 27th Avenue, just fictional lines. We see our residents drive back and forth every day. We see the congestion getting worse. We need to provide another option. And, and so your question was interesting. You, you asked your, the audience, will this make your commute better? You're asking people to actually think about things that they've never actually had the ability to experience or see. Right. You've never right. seen the, the change or the difference in time that coming from Broward County and being able to get on a, a rail system and take you all the way to downtown or Pearl Gables, you've never been able to see something like that. Before. Right. And, and so it's going to be I, hard to conceptualize, but it's going to be extraordinary. And I, I do want to ask you about that because it's, it's an interesting thing. Obviously, you represent a part of Miami-Dade County. But as you said, there's these fictional lines, you know, the the the, the line between 
you know, the county line in that part of, of Miami-Dade and South Broward County, it's, you know, basically invisible. Um, I mean, so my question is, what have you heard from residents in North Dade and have you heard from residents in Broward County about what this might mean? Well, along with being the county commissioner and vice chairman of the board, I also sit as the chair of the TPO and the, the chairperson also of SEFTEC, which is the three TPOs, Broward, Dade and Palm Beach County. So we know that the, the, the idea that we need to be more connected, connected actually exists. Th this has been something that's been continuously talked about in North Dade because we believe that, look, when you want to get to the, the major employment hubs and entertainment hubs that are in the county, you have to come south. If you have to get in your car every time, what you're doing is it, it's, it's, an, it's an added cost to just, it's, it's an added tax just being where you live because between tax and time, you're spending a lot of your resources in that vehicle. You ought not have to do that. When we talk about being a world-class community, we talk about being a world-class city, you have to have world-class transportation options. And, and so what, what the mayor has done, what the commission has done, is saying that we're going to show the state, our state partners, we're gonna show our federal partners that we are going to move forward, that the status quo is no longer an option when it comes to connecting these counties because we are not just Miami-Dade County, we're not just Broward County, we are a region and regional transportation has to be moved forward. And under the plan that was fast-tracked this week with the, with this vote, uh, Miami-Dade County will build a metro rail line straight to Hard Rock Stadium first, and seven other stations could potentially come in a second phase. Um, and th those other stations in the middle in places like Opalaka or in front of the Miami-Dade College North Campus, I mean, those have been also in the plans for a long time. Why start with the stadium first and not also build some of these other stations? It's about phasing. It's about phasing and, and building the, the critical momentum needed. And it's not just going to end at the stadium. Eventually, it'll go all the way to County Line Road. And we hope eventually it'll go into Broward County because we need to be able to connect ourselves to Broward County. But but it's, it's easy to do just at the stadium. And we also know that the stadium is someplace that people need to come to from downtown areas and from other parts of the county. We understand that it's a destination hub. We understand that when, when things like the World Cup and F Formula One and Super Bowls happen at the stadium, we know that it creates jobs. It creates economic um, movement. It creates a lot of funds that are that are spent here in the county just by the presence of the stadium being there. So it's, it's, a, it's a logical first step. The key is that it's just the first step. It's just a phase. The key is it's just the first phase. Mm -hmm. The key is that we know what the plan is and we won't stop until it's complete. And a big question for all these projects is money, right? Money, money, money. Uh, is there a sense of where funding for this project will be coming from? Well, yeah, it, there is. So we know that in our performance, we have the ability to, to contribute, but we also know that our state partners are more willing to fund heavy elevated rail going north. And we also know that we become more eligible uh, for federal funds, federal funds that will be expiring if we waited much longer to actually start the North Corridor. So when you say it's about money, it's not just about money, it's about money and time. So that not, not all money exists in all time spans. So if we wait until 2025 or 2036 to actually start the North Corridor, the stuff like the infrastructure money that was just passed, we don't become eligible for any of those grants. And so when you have the federal government putting a lot of money on the street, you have to put yourself in a position to actually take advantage of it. Oliver Gilbert III is a Miami-Dade commissioner representing parts of North Miami-Dade County. Commissioner, many thanks for joining. Thank you. And 
Joining us now to talk about other developments is Miami-Dade County Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava and Miami-Dade Commissioner Eileen Higgins. Uh, Madam Mayor and Commissioner Higgins, thanks for coming on. A pleasure. Hi. Thank you, Ben. And I, I just want to acknowledge here that we're playing a little swapping game to talk to different county commissioners, but not at the same time, to avoid breaching Florida's sunshine laws. Just so everyone knows that we're making an effort to do that. Um, but thank you both for coming on. Commissioner Higgins, let's start with you. Um, two weeks ago, you and the mayor announced that the county, that Miami-Dade County would no longer move forward with plans to bring a monorail service to connect downtown Miami and Miami Beach. And instead, the county will be moving to expand Metro Mover service to the beach. Tell, tell us about that switch and, and why was that switch made? Well, uh, thank you so much for talking transit today. Um, and this Metro Mover extension is really the right decision. About two years ago, the county received an unsolicited proposal from an entity saying that they could build a monorail um, across um, to Miami Beach and that they could do it very inexpensively. And when we finally received um, the RFP and we got their quote, it was about $580 million, which quite frankly was really low and we were um, willing to take a look at it. But as time has gone on, uh, we have been trying to negotiate with them and their costs have ballooned to $1.3 billion, uh, which is more far doubled. beyond, more than doubled. And of course, this was supposed to be a P3, which meant you would have thought the private sector, the people who a, a, own a some public, of this land. Private, a public-private uh, yes. partnership. And you would have thought some of the people that own this land would have been helping offset the costs. It, clearly, this was not happening. Um, it became unaffordable for our budget. Uh, we do need to build the North Corridor. We need to build the Northeast Corridor. We can't spend all of our money in one place. So our new director of transit, um, Director Cleckley, uh, after it became clear uh, that we could not move forward with this, sat down and we really designed a way to get a one-seat ride on the Metro Mover. Um, all the way from both government center to Miami Beach. And then also we have a lot of folks uh, that will, that now currently um, come from the Omni. And then obviously as Tri-Rail goes in to downtown, now those folks will just walk across the street from Tri-Rail, get on the Metro Mover. And all of these people will be able to get to and from Miami Beach in, a, in less than 15 minutes. It's a, I mean... Once that vision happens, if it happens, if I'm still saying at this point, I mean, that'll be a, a big deal. Um, Commissioner, I do want to ask, will timelines of bringing the Bay Link to life, as, as it's been known for a long time, will those timelines be impacted from the switch from monorail to the Metro Mover? Not very dramatically. We are probably going to be between six and nine months behind. But what we have been doing as a county over the past um, two years is we have completed all of the engineering studies and all of the environmental studies that we have submitted to the federal government so that we can get our permits that we are required, Coast Guard and, and environmental permits and others, in order to proceed. So those studies are in. We're expecting to get permissions early next year. And in the meantime, 
uh, the mayor and her team are working on an RFP for a very simple solution, design build the tracks going over to Miami Beach. We already own the Metro Mover cars. We know how to run them. We know how to operate them. And so we believe we can, can get this thing under construction uh, very quickly and saving taxpayer money. This will not cost $1.3 billion. We will be able to save hundreds of millions of dollars by making this switch. And Mayor Levine Kava, I, I want to bring you into the conversation. Um, welcome to the South Florida Roundup. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Um, so uh, again, as I as I mentioned when I was just talking with Commissioner Gilbert, um, you know, a big question is always funding. And Commissioner Higgins was just talking about funding how how will this project be funded to connect downtown Miami and Miami Beach finally? Yes. So it's a six corridor plan uh, that has been developed and now it's projects underway. Um, these are some breakthroughs. The Miami Beach corridor and the North Corridor are both really reset. And these have to do also with the support that we anticipate from state and federal sources. The beach corridor is not programmed to have federal money, uh, more so state, but uh, very much on board with the, the plans as they have evolved. And the North Corridor, we're really hoping, uh, working hard to get federal funding as well. So this is not just a wish list. This is something that has been in conversation with our critical partners to see which modes they think are most feasible, which ones will score more favorably and the different funding applications that we're going to make. So uh, as far as the county's component, as was mentioned by uh, Vice Chair Gilbert, we have for the first time in the years that I have served uh, on county commission and mayor's office, have enough money in our pro forma and our budget projections to pay the local cost of all of these corridors. So that is huge and delivering on the promise. I just want to put a historical footnote here. People voted for a half penny, but the program that was developed was for a full penny. And when the decision was made to move forward only with a half penny, because that was more likely to pass, the programs were not reduced. So this is how so much unfortunate uh, anxiety, frustration, disappointment has developed from the outset because we were sold half of the, uh, we were sold a full program at half the price. Right. Not and, possible. And just for our listeners' sake, so they know, in the next segment, we're going to be talking about the full penny tax that Broward County approved a couple of years ago and what's, mm, happen what's happening yes. with, with that. But staying here in, in Miami Dade County, I want to just mention a couple comments we've been getting online. Um, a user called S, that goes by SC on Twitter said after moving from the UK last December that they've struggled immensely for months uh, without what they view as a, an efficient public transit system. And, yes. And, yes. Call, and, and they're calling on developing train lines to each city ASAP. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. I want, want to get that out there. Um, and mayor, I want to ask you because the, the expansion of the Metro Rail to Hard Rock Stadium that we were just talking about, it was supposed to be private, I, be, I believe. Um, with, with and one of the yeah. and one of the things that that happened is to move it forward was to actually make it a public project. And it sounds like that's similar to what's happening with the Metro Mover expansion to the beach. 
is that the, yeah. the county will be running it for the most part. Um, does that reflect a change of policy towards truly public transit and not relying more on public-private partnerships and private parties? Yeah. Well, this is a great question that you're raising. Uh, I think that there was this notion that the private sector could do better, whereas, in fact, the most important thing is how can we get transit up and running quickly and, effect and efficiently and uh, at a reasonable price tag. So I, I always do what's called value for money analysis on any project. So we're not just assuming that bringing in the private sector, look, we have to have them to design it and build it. The county doesn't do that. But as far as maintaining it and operating it, that's an important discussion whenever we do uh, any kind of project. So here, using the Miami Beach example, how much better is it to have one system that's continuous that you don't have to transfer, you don't have to have um, a new operator, it's all integrated, a one seat ride, obviously the most sensible thing, what the public recognizes as as logical and frankly when the bid you know when we were looking to get a vendor nobody put in a proposal to do that for us so this allows us to reset and integrate it with our existing uh, metro mover and our personnel and so it and, will be run by the county yes and, and make it more seamless for the riders i suppose exactly exactly right and and as mm -hmm. sorry ahead. i wanted to go back to, to commissioner higgins um so Miami Beach Mayor Dan Gelber was pretty strongly against the, the monorail plans, but he has now voiced strong support for the Metro Mover option. So, Commissioner Higgins, my question for you is, what is the major difference between the two when it comes to the rider experience and also just how Miami Beach and the Miami Beach government looks at this? So the Miami Beach uh, government was very worried because one of the partners in the original monorail proposal is involved in gambling. And they had a great fear um, that they were trying to build this on their property so that they could actually bring a casino to Miami-Dade County. Fortunately, a couple of years ago, the people voted to stop um, casino expansions. But nonetheless, um, that is always worrisome. This new project, Project, does not make use of any casino related lands. We're able to do this on public right of ways. We're also able to give a seamless commute for the workers that get to Miami Beach. And I think the Miami Beach Commission, as we were, really wanted to make sure that the folks that work on Miami Beach get there quickly. So the experience here is pretty fantastic. Um, a lot of the, the, the service sector workers arrive at Government Center on Metrorail. And they'll be able to just switch to our mover and arrive in Miami Beach in under 15 minutes. Right now, that commute, I do it sometimes on the S-Buds, it can take more than an hour in traffic. And think about what we're talking about here, the Metro Rail connection. You would be able to take Metro Rail from Miami Gardens all the way into downtown, hop on the mover, and get to a job in Miami Beach. Same thing with tri-rail, hop on the mover. We're talking about a much more efficient uh, system. And I'm, I'm listen, I'm, I'm glad we explored monorail. They told us it was gonna be cheaper and it just flat out isn't, it's more expensive. So we're gonna give our riders the experience they deserve um, because uh, the, the proposers of the monorail, uh, just quite frankly, 
um, did not deliver on the promise of making sure we were saving hundreds of millions of dollars. They didn't do it. And so the mayor, her administration, we have a way to make sure people get where they want to go um, quickly uh, and um, saving ourselves money. We've been talking with, with, with Miami-Dade Commissioner um, Eileen Higgins and also with Miami-Dade Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava. Apologize to you both. We, we do have to, to get going. But thank you so much for, for coming on, both of you. Thanks, Danny. Great. Thank, thank you, Danny. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Still to come on the South Florida Roundup, Broward County voters passed a one-penny transit tax in 2018. And we'll, we'll look at how that money is being used. You can call us at 800-743-WLRN. I'm Danny Rivero. Welcome back to the South Florida Roundup on WLRN. In November of 2018, Broward County voters approved a 30-year one-cent sales tax to increase mobility to address challenges in the county's transportation system. That means that on every dollar spent on a taxable item, one cent is added in sales tax, which is meant to go for transportation. It's been four years since it was passed, and there are 26 more to go. So how has the tax made a difference in Broward? What needs to be done to improve public transportation in the county? And we want to hear from you. You can call us at 800-743-WLRN. That's 800-743-9576. Joining us now to discuss the penny tax and transportation in Broward is Tim Garling. Tim is the Deputy General Manager of the Broward County Transportation Department. Tim, thanks for coming on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So so let's start with the basics here. Um, in the four years since this one penny tax was, was passed, how has the money been being used up to this point? Well... Our transportation surtax projects have covered a a wide variety of improvements, uh, safety projects, congestion management, roadway, drainage resilience, uh, bridge work, uh, bike and ped paths, uh, transit infrastructure, and importantly, it's helped subsidize the the public transit system uh, operations. Uh, As we sit today, uh, we have over 700 active projects that are either underway or programmed uh, uh, between now and the next five years, totaling almost $1 billion. So uh, even though that we're we're at the very beginning of the program, uh, there's been a lot of activity today. And out of those 700 projects or so that that you just mentioned, are there any large-scale projects or something you would characterize as a large-scale project that'll be almost like a flagship of what is imagined to be Broward transportation moving forward? Well, you know, I think to date, a lot of our projects have been these, you know, individual intersections, neighborhood projects, uh, things that people see immediate benefit from. But uh, probably the big flagship that we're working on is something called our uh, Primo program or our premium mobility plan. Uh, This plan, we've been working on it. Uh, We expect to have it completed really in the spring. And this is going to define our premium transit services uh, really over the rest of the surtax period. Uh, these would be things that would be bus rapid transit. Uh, these would be these uh, transit lines that would have uh, uh, very high quality stations, passenger amenities, high frequency, uh, as well as a plan for bus rapid transit to provide a core of uh, rail transit throughout, the, throughout Broward County. 
I, I want to get in a, a comment we received on Twitter from Jeffrey Riley. He said that that he's newish to Fort Lauderdale, but doesn't plan to stay long due to lack of transit because 40 minute bus frequency is not practical. And that's from Jeff Riley. Um, I Tim, Tim, I did want to, to, to ask because you just mentioned um, bus rapid transit. Uh, project that's in the pipeline is there a sense of where that will be going or is this something that's being studied right now right so the the plan it's a robust plan and i i think that we are are sort of well funded for the future to actually implement a plan to make us a world-class tra transit system our plan really has the funding that would allow us to put in seven bus rapid transit systems that could travel north south east west uh, throughout the county and then on top of that, maybe 20 to 30 miles of light rail. So we're really in the planning stages. Uh, I say within a few months, uh, we'll, we'll be able to uh, uh, maybe have a little more definitive view of exactly where. But I think it's a good bet. The major arterials, uh, the, the, the roads that carry the most people, uh, state roads that uh, go north, south, east, west across the county would be the most likely targets. That's where the people are. That's where the congestion is. That's where the most benefit could occur. So a problem that a lot of people in Miami-Dade will probably relate to is that 20 years ago, voters in Miami-Dade passed a half-penny tax, but a lot of the money that has been raised from that tax has been diverted to pay for regular maintenance and operations, and in large part, it's been used to keep the existing system running instead of making new investments and in new infrastructure like what voters were, were sold on. Uh, in, in Broward County, you know, you guys passed a full penny. Are there any safeguards to make sure something similar doesn't happen in Broward County? Well, actually, the Broward County surtax, the full penny, was actually designed uh, and budgeted to do both things, run the existing system as well as expand and improve with these kind of services that I've been talking about. When we put the, the plan together, one of the things that, that we knew is is in, in you you had the comment of the person with the with the 40 minute headways. We knew that we weren't providing sort of the level of services that were necessary. Our problem was we just didn't have the funding to pay for it. So part of putting this plan together was to make sure that we had a sustainable long term funding source that would enable us to provide not only our service in the future, but better service, more frequent service with our current system. So all that was kind of included and uh, packaged as part of what we went out to the public with. In addition to that, then we have these major improvements, like I'm talking about this Primo plan. Also, we have money for uh, commuter rail, uh, a, a possible looking to the future. So we can really marry both things. We can uh, make sure that our system runs because transit really does depend on you know, a bus showing up frequently or a, a, any form of transit showing up frequently, getting people to where they need to go. And if you can't do that, you can't really have an effective transit system and get people out of their cars. And I know some of the money that that has been coming from this one penny tax has gone to improving bus shelters and, and bus stops um, for the existing services, but in, in improving those. Can, can you tell a little about what's being done to improve the experience of people who are already regularly ride these services? 
Yeah, in, in, in the short term here, and, and we've certainly had a struggle in the, in the last few years with uh, with COVID, and you know that, that has hurt our ridership, it's hurt our transit ridership across the nation. But in the meantime, while that's been going on and we're trying to, to rebuild our system, uh, you know, we've had a bus shelter program. We install about 75 bus shelters per year in this plan uh, all throughout the, the, the remaining part of the plan. Uh, today, about one out of four of our bus stops has a shelter. We have 4,500 bus stops, so about one out of four. Uh, this this will be a, a significant improvement to uh, assist people that, that are waiting uh, for the service as it comes. And uh, uh, those kind of those kind of improvements, those access points to transit, uh, we've been working on in the meantime. Now, coming out of the the, the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, we're looking to begin to restore service and actually restore service increases beginning in fiscal 24, uh, about a year from now. And uh, we have uh, year after year increases planned beginning at that point, and people will start to see noticeable uh, service improvements coming in the future. So Broward County has 31 municipalities ranging from little beachside towns to Fort Lauderdale to Weston and Parkland on the edge of the Everglades. How does the sprawling nature of Broward County impact how you can plan for creating a regional transit service that will actually get used. Yeah, but I think it's, it's a good point. Uh, there are diverse uh, transportation needs all throughout the county. So we really kind of have a layered approach. We want these premium services that can serve high capacity corridors that can move a lot of people. That's your bus rapid transit, your light rail. Uh, we want on the, the major roads and the, and the major areas within the county, we want to improve the number of buses that we run and the frequency of buses on our regular bus fixed route system. We have a network of community shuttles that are worked through our uh, local communities and partnership that provide sort of neighborhood circulation. And frankly, as we get into some of the, the lower density areas, uh, we have to look at some of the more modern uh, techniques that are being used in transit, things like on-demand services, microtransit it's called, where you know people maybe through the future use of an app uh, could be able to hail a transit vehicle to come and get them. So I, I think that people will use transit if it serves them. And our challenge really is, is to try to marry, to provide services that people need that will get them where they're going and to create a total transit system, an entire network of services. Lots coming in Broward County Transit. Um, we've been talking with Tim Garling. He's the Deputy General, General Manager of the Broward County Transportation Department. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. We'd like to have you back at some point. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And that'll do it for the South Florida Roundup this week. The South Florida Roundup is produced by Natu Twe. Our engagement editor is Katie Cohen. Our interim managing editor is Katie Munoz. Jessica Bakeman is a senior editor for news. Mateo Sanchez is digital editor. The vice president of radio and the show's technical supervisor is Peter J. Mares. Richard Ives answers the phones. I'm Danny Rivero. Thanks for calling and thanks for listening. WLRN Public Media.